Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Hyland, and this is CI for Life. Okay, uh, welcome to another CI for Life podcast with Rick Hyland. My special guest today is Stephanie Hutchins, PhD. Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Rick. I really am excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to hear about your books and your journey and helping people overcome trauma and healing. So why don't we get into it? Tell us a little bit about your background, including your PhD and your books and your own personal journey, if you don't mind. Oh, of course. So um, I just recently published my first book, which is Transformation After Trauma, Embracing Post-Traumatic Growth. And my business, it's a coaching practice, life coaching practice is called Serotonous Life. And the concept behind it is that the stressors and trauma that we experience in our life can actually fuel massive growth. And, and so that's really the mission of both my practice and my book is to, you know, cause I've been there, I've had a very long trauma history and I know what it's like to feel like days will never get better and there's no light, no bright light, but I know it's actually possible now to have a beautiful life. Um, one that like, I live a life now that I never even dreamed was possible. Awesome. And I truly believe that the stress and trauma that I experienced in my life sort of catalyzed this growth. And I just, my mission is to inspire people to to also hang on to that hope, you know, that not only healing is possible, but thriving is possible after Ooh, trauma. I love that. I yeah. love that. And that's why you're on the podcast today. And I love that you're talking about purpose and mission. We're big on that on CI for Life. But tell me about the PhD. What did you do it in? Where did you go? What was that all about? Is that part of this or something separate? Or? Well, it's sort of separate. I have an interesting um, educational background. Um, my PhD is actually in human services. Okay. But the interesting thing is I was a college uh, professor for 12 years and um, spent the majority of that time teaching anatomy and physiology. So um, I have a, yes, a very interesting educational um, background, but it's all culminated together beautifully. Like I used to teach for years about the brain and the body and, but I'm so driven by serving people and helping them just move on to the next stage of their life, whether it's teaching them in a classroom for their for their college degree, or it's getting them to their next goal that they're aiming for when they see it's impossible. And so the human services background blends nicely with my coaching practice because it's really focusing on that human element and how to you know, serve many people on a grand um, scale. And so I, I have this eclectic background awesome. and I've been able to merge all components together for this beautiful purpose of helping people um, through trauma. So very exciting. Okay. Yeah, no, thank you for that. And uh, tell us a little bit about, we're fascinated on CI for Life with the how and uh, how do people overcome? And I'm assuming, Stephanie, that we're talking, you know, we could, we could apply these principles to the whole spectrum, whether it be, you know, significant events in your life, whether it be death or abuse, right up to 
you know, offenses and hard, having a hard time forgiving, you know, all, all the spectrum of trauma that we could apply these principles to. So teach us some principles to help us overcome trauma. Of course. So, um, do you know here I'm, you know, even though I have a PhD, I, I'm going to speak from my own personal Great. healing journey and what has been most powerful for me. And one is something that people find a little odd, actually, um, but it's goal setting. Goal mm. setting has actually been never odd when you say the <laughs> word. Okay, carry on. Um, I say hands down, if I was to pick one thing that was most critical in my healing journey, it was goal setting. And so I actually dedicate my first chapter in my book um, to goal setting after trauma. And my second book, which I have 105 pages already written in it, um, is all about the power of goal setting after trauma, because I believe that strongly um, about, about it. And so let me just talk a little bit more about what I mean by this. So like I have achieved what people would think like huge goals. I've traveled around the world. I have my PhD. I, I just, I've, I've accomplished a lot, but what people don't realize is when I was at the worst place in my healing journey, um, and I was having difficulty coping, my goals were to like brush my teeth that day. It were basic, the basics. So a lot of people think of goal setting as these reaching for these enormous goals, but sometimes it's just little steps, incremental steps that will get you to the next stage. So before I could even think about, you know, um, what ultimate career I wanted and finishing my PhD and all these adventures I wanted to have, I had to first be able to figure out how to even function. (laughs) So like I started with the bare bones basics. And as I met, like accomplished one goal and I made it easier to accomplish the next and then the next. And, um, and it really created this snowball effect for me and it built my, it built my confidence, you know, um, and, but the other thing that ties, and it's hard to say like which one comes first or second, um, as far as like the how to, um, but the second, like most critical part of my healing journey has been self care. And it's hard to say like, you know, which should come first or second. I, I really think they're done in tandem, you know, together because when we experience, um, trauma, regardless, or really stressful life events, it's very easy for us to let go of positive self-care and like positive coping mechanisms and very easy to slip into negative coping mechanisms, habits that are harmful to us. And so, so self-care, because you, in order to move forward toward any goal, you have to be taking care of yourself. Like you have to be taking care of yourself mentally, physically, um, emotionally, all these different aspects, they have to be taken care of. So, so I couldn't start striving to reaching these bigger goals until I just, again, took care of the bare bones basics. And, and I really find that, We all do it. You know, we're so busy, especially when we're trying to achieve big goals in our lives. It's so easy to let go of our health. You know, it's so easy to let go of the time with our family and our friends. But sometimes it's those things that are going to keep filling our cup back up so we can keep moving 
forward. Give me some examples of what you are talking about around self-care. Are you talking about exercise? What what are you talking about here? Uh, Well, self-care can run a huge gamut. And actually my first book is, is, the majority of the book is about self-care practices. And so in the ones that have been most helpful to me, and so meditation has been extremely important to me because it comes back to the goal setting, you know, goal setting is all about having this point of focus and trying to always come back to that. But that's what meditation is all about. Meditation is about having a point of focus, but Meditation, people think that when you're meditating, you're supposed to always stay on that single point of focus and never get drawn away. No, the point of meditation is to train you to come back every time you get off track. And so whether you have experienced trauma, whether it's been stressful life events or just daily stressors in life, when we are aiming for any kind of goal, we are going to get off track. It's just part of our life experience. And so what I like so much about meditation is it trains you to always come back. Every time you get off course, you just come back. You know, you don't beat yourself up um, for getting off track. You just, okay, I got off. I'm coming back you know? And so meditation is really critical. Um, And so actually the biggest chapter in my book is dedicated to the forms of meditation that have been most um, important to me and how people can incorporate them into their own life. Yeah. But of course, exercise has been in, um, in that, um, you know, hiking and yoga have been particularly important to me, but like, for example, let's take exercise. So I'm going to tie in my biology background here. Um, See, when we are like feeling very overwhelmed, sometimes we eat, we drink, um, we may um, like spend hours on social media. But what we're doing when we do all of those things is we're trying to change the chemistry in our brain. Like all of those things, like eating sugar, drinking alcohol, taking drugs, engaging on social media, scrolling through social media, all release chemicals like dopamine in our brain mm-hmm. that make us feel good. But the interesting thing is, is there are other activities you can do like exercise that will release those same exact chemicals. Yep. And so what I try to have people focus on is what are those activities that you can do that will still give you the same physiological response, meaning the changes in the chemistry of your body, but they're not potentially harmful to you. So like laughing, even, you know, laughing, singing, dancing. So that's why music is really important. So there's a whole variety of things that people can do to take care of themselves. Um, And it's about finding what um, those tools are that work best for you and making sure you do it daily, not just sporadically because self-care is a practice So if you don't practice, how is it ever going to be a default? So if you're progressing towards your goals, but life inevitably inevitably gets in your way and, you know, you have financial stress, family stress, how are you ever going to default to self-care during those times of extreme stress if you don't practice the self-care regularly? Just get a practice. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. Starting every day, I start every day with the same 10 practices, some spiritual, some mental, including meditation. 
and some physical and exercise. And if you can develop those, that rigor and just, you don't need willpower anymore because willpower is fleeting, right? If you can just institute some habits, some simple practices, but I want to get back to this idea and I love your idea on self-care, obviously. Uh, um, but I love this idea. You're talking about even micro goals or small goals, right? Depending on where you're at, if you're not ready to run a marathon, for example, which is a big goal, let's start with going for a 15 minute walk, you know? So goal setting doesn't have to be, I'm going to walk, you know, get on the moon or go to space. It could be just some simple practices. In fact, Stephanie, I think this will be very consistent with your, your findings, your book and, and, but I did a survey in late 2019, just before COVID, and I asked 1,400 people from U.S., Canada, U.K., and Australia. So some basic Western countries, you know, principles of happiness and success. I was trying to find that balance between, and you've certainly mentioned some of the elements here. And when I, when I found the happiest people, when I correlated their habits, it was these three things. And I think it fits nicely under your self-care and where you're going so far. One was exercise. Uh, two was having a daily plan. And it was a simple daily plan, right? And it might have been the very basics, depending on where you're at, right? In your, in your journey mm -hmm. to overcome trials and tribulations and trauma. And then the third was to be in service of something. And you know, one mentioned, you know, taking care of their dog, you know, another mentioned kids, another mentioned a service organization they belong to. But giving of yourself. And of course, where you are in your trauma journey could depend on how big that is not to overwhelm your, your brain. But those are basic, that fits in nicely with your paradigm of self-care and, and small goals to enjoy each day, correct? Absolutely. And I, I'm, what exciting results because I, I, it makes so much sense. Like for myself, I, I, I'm a planner, so I actually have Guilty. a Google, <laughs> yes. so I actually have a Google uh, sheet that I can always look at in my computer or phone. And based on where I'm at, my, I've been doing this for years now, I change my daily goals, my self-care practices. And so I have a certain amount of time that I do meditation every day. I have a certain amount of time that I do my um, stretching and exercise and I I, you know, my water intake, just basic things that I want to make sure that when I'm really overwhelmed, I never let go of. And yeah. so I just every day go through and check. Yes, no, yes, no <laughs> on my list. And it's very helpful to keep me accountable to myself and to remind me that because then I have a whole other, I uh, have a Google doc that's all about my actual like tasks for the day that I have to right. do. And I have to make sure that my work tasks don't don't overwhelm my self-care yes. tasks, that they don't overtake it. And so I have both to always make sure to, to make sure I'm always keeping track of both sides of my life, you know, mm -hmm. the part that's internal to me and the part that has to take care of the outside, you know, world that I interact with. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I could geek out on this right now with you too. And, <laughs> and my listeners know this, I'm a big planner. In fact, I have a planner and every day I write down gratitudes and learnings and then the plan for the day and and the first 10 things or the self-care things mm -hmm. to start the day and then I actually track it in a google spreadsheet for the last 20 years on how I'm well and doing on those you know did I do meditation today and track the percentage for the month and so I, I can geek out on this big time so help explain to to folks that um 
don't uh, maybe see the value of writing it down, whether it be on the computer or a piece of paper and planning it out. Can you, can you articulate the benefit, particularly for overcoming trials and tribulations and trauma? What's the benefit of actually writing it down in your experience? You're making a commitment to yourself. Mm. I think that's the power of it. Because if you don't make that solid commitment to yourself, then everybody else's priorities are going to become your priorities. Mm. And you have dedicated your existence to satisfying everybody else's needs and none of your own. So the power of writing it down is saying that I matter enough to make sure I'm taking care of me and what's important to me because so you have to, I might've already said it, but I am largely driven by service. I have, um, I have a great need to serve, but I also believe that we cannot best serve our communities unless we're serving ourselves first. Taking care of ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well said. How do you balance that? Uh, Stephanie, you're, man, you're on all my hot topics here. So <laughs> how do I not, you know, uh, I love to serve as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I not overwhelm myself with doing that too much? Is it by just basically taking care of yourself care practices and trying to find the right balance? And I guess that each individual might be slightly different. What, what, have, what has been your experience with finding the balance between give, give, give mm-hmm. versus the self-care that we're talking about? Well, I think, so this is something, so I, I, have been um, an I'm an overfunctioner. That is one way that I have dealt with my traumas, and I work a lot, but I enjoy, I get great satisfaction out of my work. And so this has been something that's been a learning process for me over time. And when I look at when people are asking me to take on more, I literally I don't I don't try to answer right away. I try to make it a goal to not say yes reflexively and to actually say, I really appreciate you asking me that. Um, Let me take a look at my calendar or whatever you have and and I will get back to you. But thanks again. You know, thank you for this opportunity and I'll be in touch. And then actually you take a look and see like, is this something I can manage? And if you introduce a new task into your life, something's got to go something has to give. I mean, there's only so many hours in a day. And so you have to look and see, is this person or this task that that I'm being asked to serve? Okay. So I am going to get that satisfaction of serving, but isn't, is it in line with my life goals, where I'm heading? And if so, is it going to take away from areas of my life that are important to me? You know, we don't have to do everything right now. Right. You know, I suffer from shiny object syndrome. Yep. So I am always like, oh, what a great idea. Oh, I want to do this. Oh, yes. You want me to help with this? Oh, yes. Yes. That sounds great. But then I have to reel myself back and say, there's just not enough time in the day. And so it's about, I think, really, I think it's a self-care practice to not reflexively say yes to new obligations. And if you're a pleaser, if you're, and and you love service, love that idea of taking a pause, reflecting back to your purpose, mission goals, 
and seeing if you can fit it in right now and being able to authentically, you know, say yes or no based on mm-hmm. some reflection rather than, because a lot of times if you're a pleaser, you just, you'll say yes, and then your system will overwhelm and that won't help you. And then you'll sacrifice your self-care. And so there's this balance, balance, balancing act that we're always playing there. So. Absolutely. So um, I'm fascinated. Your book got New York Times bestseller, which is huge. Well, uh, Amazon. On Am- Amazon. Well, yeah, yes. Uh, and but I'm still- on Amazon too. So I know how yes, Amazon yes. bestseller is huge. So what is it that you think the book really spoke to people that you were able to achieve that kind of result? It, let me ask the question that way and have you talk about the book. Yeah. So, yes, I was very grateful that um, I hit number one um, bestseller on many lists um, on Amazon not long after publication. And a lot of the feedback that I'm getting from people, a lot of people reach out to me um, directly and and they'll say, like, I appreciate one, how vulnerable you were because I give every time, because I'm very open about my experiences, but what I find is when I give myself permission to be vulnerable, it gives other people permission to be vulnerable. And people need that because they feel so isolated, like nobody understands them. And the other thing that I'm hearing in addition to like, thanking me to, for being so vulnerable. It's I'm continuously getting people saying, I feel like you're talking to me, mm-hmm. especially with the audiobook. Like they're like, you are you, it's like you are in my head and you know exactly what I'm feeling. Like I felt that same exact way. And again, it's that them not feeling alone and knowing like, and now they can see where I'm at now and they make, gives them hope you know? Um, And I think that's what, you know, when people have, and so many of us have experienced trauma and and will, many of us will experience trauma in the future. And in that that sense of hopelessness and helplessness, it's very easy for that to set in. And I think, and so with my, even though my book is about trauma, it's not, it doesn't go deep into my story. And my book is about hope. You know, I bring people far enough into my story so they can see where I was at, but, but it's more about how did I overcome that? And people want that, that they want to know that that's possible for them too. And so I think that's why it's been received very well is I'm connecting and that's important to me um, that I've been able to connect on that deep level with, with other people who've had similar experiences. Yeah. Brene, so many good principles in what you just taught there. Brene Brown has that great book on vulnerability, the Mm -hmm. University of Houston professor. And I think there's even some self-benefit to vulnerability, isn't there? That it helps part of the healing process is to tell the story and to try to help somebody else and contribution. You know, the last part in 12-step addiction recovery is that now go help somebody else or tell your story and help somebody pick somebody else up. So I'm sure that's part of it as well. So well done. I'm, I'm super excited for you. And it's it's a great model for people to see after trauma and serious significant setbacks to see people setting goals and accomplishing little things and big things in their life. Uh, so tell us about the second book on goal setting and why you felt compelled to go. It sounds like a little bit deeper uh, into mm-hmm. the topic itself. Tell us about this one. 
Yeah. So I'm very excited. I'm I'm hoping that this second book will be published um, realistically probably in the beginning of 2022 um, by the time editing and everything is done. And I just, yeah, so this second book goes deep into the power of goal setting after trauma. And it's, it's, it's about really talking people through, especially the concept of chunking down goals. And it's something I really focus on a lot and about not focusing on the huge like goal that seems years away. It's like focusing on the one step right in front of you. And I also in the book spent a lot of time talking about um, ways to continuously improve. And I know that's a major (laughs) concept of your (laughs) (laughs) say more about that. So you have to understand that I am I am huge into personal development and it's also been critical in my healing journey and I think that by constantly having other people in my ear either through audiobooks or podcasts or through actual books it has opened my mind up to different ways of thinking And, you know, when you're deep in your trauma or you're in a really deep stressful situation, it's hard to see possibilities outside of that. And so one way that I have continuously improved is to make sure I continuously have new inputs of positive information Mm. and new ways of thinking. But that also means I have to be receptive to new ways of thinking. And, but that's how I've been able to improve is each time I listen to to a new book or listen to it a second time, I glean something new or different from it. And I make small incremental improvements just even to my way of thinking or being that over time culminate into enormous changes in my life. I couldn't agree more. My wife and I, when we're weeding, we have a massive backyard and we spend most of our summers weeding. Now that's a little exaggeration, but (laughs) We're listening to podcasts and books and that inspires the brain and kind of edifies you and, and gets you in that, as you say, the mood and brings positive upliftment, inspiring. Yeah, I, I'm excited for your book. So um, Dr. Bob Maurer wrote a really good book that I think you relate to, and it's going to be, sounds like a real big part of your book, but I'll tell the story real quick and see if you can relate or, or build on it for the listeners. And basically he was a teaching doctor at the University of Washington and he talks about this small goals or micro goals, um, and he calls it, you know, s- small changes, the Kaizen way, a continuous improvement way. And basically, they were coaching or uh, had a um, client in, a patient in that was uh, overweight, had hypertension, had heart problems, had cholesterol problems, and single mother of two. So basically, you know, working and raising two daughters, I think it was, and so under some significant stress. And um, the doctors would talk to her about, you know, you should lose weight, you should exercise, you should take care of yourself and you'll feel better. And, you know, and, and she just couldn't make it happen. So one time Dr. Bob was in there and he said he had just read this thing about small steps, uh, Kaizen way, continuous improvement. And so he said, and I can't remember her name, but let's say, Debbie, do you, do you watch TV at night to unwind after you put the girls to bed after work to, yes, I do. What's your favorite show? And she said her favorite show. Do you think during your favorite show, during one commercial break, you could stand up and do jumping jacks or, or run in place or walk in place? Do you think you could do that just for us and come back in a couple of weeks and tell us how that went? 
yeah, I can do that. I can do that. So she does that. And you know where the story's going, right? They keep mm-hmm. coaching her. And then do you think during every commercial, you could walk in place and do jumping jacks uh, at night? Yeah. Okay. So eventually she builds the running practice that they were, or the walking and the exercise practice that they were trying to co- And she loses her pounds and has to use a lot less medication in order to stay and be healthy. And so it's all in the power of those small goals. When the doctors told her she needed to lose 20 pounds and start exercising, it was daunting. It, the, the brain froze, right? Fight or flight. And she couldn't make it happen. But when they broke it down into a very small goal or a small step, she was able to start that and then eventually continue on. Is that, does that sound like a similar principle to what you've learned and going to teach? Oh, of course. And and I didn't haven't brought this up yet, but I bring it up in my books. I'm an avid hiker and mountain climber. And that's how I get through my mountains. I mean, I, I rarely miss a weekend hiking. And if I'm doing, I'm going to be out for 12 or 13 hours in that day hiking, I can't focus on the number of miles I have to go, or I'm going to get overwhelmed. I have to focus on the one step in front of me, one step at a time. And when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I just remind myself just one more step, Stephanie, one more step and I chunk it down just one bit at a time. And and that's just how I've gotten through all of my difficult um, experiences and all of my big goals is just one bite at a time, you know, one step at a time, bit by bit, you know? Wow. I hope the listeners are enjoying this. This is so true for any big goal, right? I'm a marathon runner and done several marathons and and you got to keep this certain pace in order to hit your goal of how much time, you know, and it's daunting. And, but all you do is you set a little quarter mile and you see a flag up there or a post up there that, you know, is a quarter mile away or a half mile away. And I just got to keep this pace for another half mile. It's not 26.2. Mm-hmm. It's just a half, you know, so you chunk it down and break it down. And then pretty soon you're, you're moving and you're halfway done. And then, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. So, wow. What a great principle and looking forward to the book. Okay. <laughs> Any other advice to listeners uh, before I let you go? And then I also want you to mention where they can find you uh, on social media or your website, but any other last advice? Just please be patient with yourself, you know, regardless of where you are at in your life and your life circumstances. I think we all just have to be patient and kind and compassionate to ourselves and know that none of our journeys are linear. There's going to be bumps and bruises and twists and turns and just, um, be embrace the journey and and not condemn it or yourself along the way. Yeah, um, well said. Yeah, and um, also, oh yeah. No, where, where can people find you? Oh yeah, so uh, my book Transformation After Trauma um, can be found on Amazon, and um, my name is Stephanie M. Hutchins, uh, PhD, and you can type that into Facebook and find me that way. My Facebook page. And, um, and then the last page would be serotonouslife.com. And I know that's difficult to spell. So choose one of the other ways and serotonous life will come up. (laughs) Very good. Well, Stephanie, it's been an absolute pleasure. And, uh, just to hear you talk about many principles that I'm aligned with as well and purpose and continuous improvement and goals and chunk down and break down your goals. And so I wish you all the best in your journey and, of course, your second book and uh, all the best to you. And thanks for uh, joining us today. And thanks for having me. 